0: Now you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Today is a brand new day, and it's yours.
1: Welcome to the True Performance Show by Ziegler. Every positive pursuit in life, every progression of personal development, change is fueled by one thing: inspiration. It's the drive and the hunger that propels every good endeavor. Without it, we merely have a dream, but never actually move. With it, we can actually overcome insurmountable odds to achieve our desires, convictions, and calling. In this show, we come together to drill down into what really makes success tick and how we can apply it to our unique personal and work lives. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and right now, we're going to inspire your true performance. Hi, everyone. This is Kevin, and this is Ziggler's True Performance Show, episode 420. Today, I bring you the man, the legend, Zig Ziggler, the guy who influenced over 250 million lives, a man who left this earth two and a half years ago, but whose message of hope and inspiration and belief that we can all be more than we are currently being, uh, that message still continues. And it is not only continuing, it is growing by leaps and bounds through the voices and lives of you and me and millions. We have been doing a lot uh, through Ziegler on the Ziegler Facebook fan page lately, four million, over 4 million fans there. And it is amazing the desire, the need people have today for not just step-by-step instructions for the next thing, but they need inspiration. As Zig said, the fuel uh, for doing everything. Today is a clip I'm going to give you from Zig, and it's actually one I had not heard before. Uh, And it's one of his more serious messages. So I'm going to give that to you. Uh, Just a reminder, a lot of you guys have taken us up on getting Zig's little book of big quotes for free uh, he's one of the most quoted people of all time. So this little book of quotes it's actually gives in alphabetical order certain topics and then quotes from him around that topic. So you can get it for free and immediate PDF delivery uh, if you'll just take uh, your phone, text to this number nine four two five three. Okay, that's nine four two five three. Text the word altogether true performance. Okay. So simple as that. 94253, text true performance, and it'll lead you through getting that PDF right away. All right. Hey, we're just going to dive in. Here is, I think it's a longer clip. It might be close to 17 minutes or so from Zig, and then we're going to break down about three points from it. Here we go.
0: Victor Seribriakov, age 16. His uh, teacher said to him, you're a dunce, Victor. You're never going to finish school. Why don't you drop out and get a job? At least be able to support yourself. Well, he dropped out of school, and for nearly 16 years, he was an itinerant. He went everywhere, did everything, served in the army and a host of other things. But every morning, Victor would get up, he'd look in the mirror, and he would shave the dunce that looked back at him. Uh, He would dress that dunce. He would take that dunce to work. He would think as a dunce. He would perform as a dunce, and he would receive a dunce's wages. Age 31, for whatever reason, they did a psychological evaluation on him. And uh, the results came back, and with tremendous excitement, they went to Victor and said, Victor, I don't know whoever told you are a Dutch, and I don't know why you think you are, because the scientific evidence is compulsive. There is zero doubt that we are in error. You, sir, are not a dunce. You have an IQ of 161. You, sir, are a genius. Now, they didn't tell him anything else. No new information except the greatest information of all. You're not a dunce, you're a genius. Now, he looks in the mirror and shaves a genius. He dresses a genius. He goes to work as a genius. He thinks as a genius. He performs as a genius. And the bottom line is Victor uh has a number of books out. He has several patents to his credit. He is a, a very successful businessman, owns several businesses. And one year, he was the international chairman of the Men's Society, And he got to have an IQ of 140 just to get in there. You see, he had the information and the knowledge and the IQ all the time. Had the wrong picture. And the wrong picture was there because of the input into his mind. And when you change the picture, that's when everything changes. Linda Isaacs is down here from Italy, Texas. Linda is African American. She's a dwarf. They evaluated her when she was... (laughs) Just a little girl, four years old. They discovered she couldn't learn. They put her in school, though, when the time came, but they were really nice to her and the teacher. They told the teacher, now, Linda's a cute little girl. Her classmates will all call her shorty. She's very friendly, easy to get along with. Won't give you a moment's trouble, but don't worry about trying to teach anything because you can't learn. Well, they passed her from the first to the second to the third. They said, We don't want to have to make friends every year, a new set of friends. Just let her go on through. She graduated from high school, functioning at the first grade level. Now, what about her future? Member of a minority race, a dwarf. What are her chances? Very slim. Except her mother was getting on up in years. She had an older sister who lived right here in Dallas. Her mother brought her to Dallas to live with her oldest sister who took her down to Goodwill Industries where she met Carol Klepp. And Carol Klepp uh, put her through this intensive two-week acclamation school and discovered something. Linda could learn some things. Now, for 18 years, Linda had been saying, Linda can't learn, Linda can't learn, Linda can't learn. And sure enough, she was right. Now, all of a sudden, Linda said, Hey, Linda can learn, Linda can learn, Linda can learn. a year later, she was answering the telephone and checking the payroll and functioning almost as a secretary. Learned more in a year than she had learned in 18 years past. Now, please, do not read anything into this, which I am not saying If there's brain damage, folks, that's a different matter. And there are some cases that this is not going to work. But in every case, there will be improvement if we change the input and make it positive and upbeat at the same time making it a realistic picture of what it's about. I'm going to tell you again, your input determines your outlook. Your outlook determines your output, and your output determines your... Future, The opinion you have of yourself and the opinion others have of you can make a big difference. The most moving story I've ever heard as it relates to what happens when you change the picture is a story told by Brian Harbour in his beautiful book, Rising Above the Crowd. When little Ben Hooper was born all those years ago in the foothills of East Tennessee... Little boys and girls who had no idea who their daddies were were ostracized. They were treated horribly. By the time he was three years old, the other kids in that little East Tennessee community wouldn't play with him. parents were saying idiotic things like, what's a boy like that doing playing with our kids? As if the child had anything at all to do with his own birth. When he was six years old, they put him in first grade, no kindergarten. And uh, they gave him a little desk. All the kids had discs. At recess, he stayed in his desk and studied. The other kids went out and played. At lunch, he took his little sack lunch, went off, ate by himself. The other kids ate together. He had an extraordinarily tough childhood. When he was 12 years old, a new preacher came to that little church in the foothills of East Tennessee. And almost immediately, little Ben started hearing about what a wonderful man he was. How nonjudgmental he was. How When he was with you, he was with you. He gave you his undivided attention. He had that charisma when he walked in a room. The spirits were automatically lifted. He was very popular in that little community. One Sunday, though, little Ben had never been to church a day in his life. He decided to go. He got there late, and he left early. He didn't want to attract any attention at all. But for the first time in that child's life, he caught just a glimpse of hope. My good friend Dr. John Maxwell says if there's hope in the future, there's power in the present. I believe if there is that hope, and that's the purpose of this series, is to give every individual, whether you're a John Johnson or a Linda Isaac or any one of the hundreds of other people, the Steve Walkers of life that I've been talking about, if we can give that individual hope, then they're going to take some action. So the question is, how do you change the picture? Over the years, I've asked audiences all over the world, and I mean that literally to identify for me what are the qualities that you would like to see in uh, your boss, or if you're a boss, what qualities would you like to see or have in your employees? Now, for the live audience, the outline or the sheet of paper that you've been given contains a list of these qualities. I'm going to go over them Simply because as you listen to this, you will uh, need to start hearing these words and as you listen over and over and over, over a period of time, they will become a part of you. Now, here's something very important. I hope you've got a pen and I hope you in the live audience will follow me and I hope as you're listening to this tape that you will answer this question in your own mind every time I call out a word I want you to think to yourself and in the live audience, write it down. Either an A or an S. Is that quality an attitude or is it a skill? I'm going to go down the list. Honest. Intelligent. Goals. Organized. Responsible. Commitment. Punctual. Self-starter. Optimistic. Enthusiastic. Motivated. Decisive, focused, disciplined, persistent, positive mental attitude, team player, energetic, competent, self-image, and common sense. Now, those words will be familiar that I've gone through so far until we got to the word common sense... I was going exactly down the list of qualities that you put to work when you go to the day-before-vacation attitude. Now, the second uh, list of words, manners, gratitude, teachable, dependable, pride, diligent, thrifty, resourceful, extramarer, sober, loyal, respectful, Caring, affectionate, supportive, sincere, attentive, personable, open-minded, a good finder, and educated. That's the second uh, list of words there that uh, I'm including. Now, remember, Mark, each one in your mind. Is it an attitude or is it a skill? Then on the third uh, column, passion, convictions, encouragers. Vision, faith, wisdom, courage, confident, humble, smart, hard worker, authoritative, self control, fair, communicator, consistent, creative, knowledgeable, humor, a good listener, teacher, and uh, integrity. What I want you to think in terms of is, are those words, attitudes, are skills? Now, I'd like to add, get you to add a couple of more words there, and that is service, attitude, and obedience. Now, those are two words that in modern society, people don't get overly enthusiastic about. Let me share with you a story. Lou Holtz is a good friend of mine I've had the privilege of speaking to his team. He told me something that absolutely fascinates me. At the table there were student assistants, student managers. And there were a couple of assistant coaches. And every few minutes, uh, one of the assistant coaches or Lou would say something and this student manager would hop up and in a dead run, I mean, without hesitation, they would be off to the races to do whatever he had been or she had been told to do. None of the student managers that uh, I saw had more than three bites of dinner. Lou Holtz told me that... In the freshman year, they have 250, roughly, student managers that come in want to be student managers. By the end of the senior year, approximately forty of them are left. And Lou said when he travels the country and he bumps into somebody and they say, Coach Holtz, when I was at Notre Dame for four years I was a student manager. Lou said he always has the same question to ask them. Well, let me ask you a question. What company are you running today? Or what company are you the vice president or president of? And he said almost never does he have them say anything but, well, I'm the CEO of, or I own my business, and last year we did. Phenomenal. Now, why would that be? You see, two big things, really, obedience. You got to learn to obey before you can learn to lead. So important. That servant's attitude. You know, God himself said, He who would be the greatest among you must become the servant of all. Now, let's see if we can go back and tie all of this together with that Ben Hooper story. You see, little Ben Hooper went to church one day. He caught a glimpse of that hope, and he loved the looks of it. He was back there the next Sunday, and the next, and the next, and the next. He always got there late. He always left early. Did not want any attention. On about the sixth or the seventh Sunday... The message was so moving, so powerful, so encouraging that he forgot all about the time he did not even notice that there were people who had come in and sat down behind him. Suddenly, the message appeared to him as if there were uh, an overhead looking right at him and it said, for you, little Ben Hooper of unknown heritage, there is hope in the future. He got to carry it away with it. He forgot about everything, and suddenly the message was over. He stood up, expecting to run out again as he had in weeks gone past, but this time the aisles were clogged. He couldn't get through. As he was trying, he felt a hand on his shoulder. He turned, he looked around, he looked up. He was looking right into the eyes of the young pastor who asked him a question which had been on the minds of everybody there for the last 12 years. Whose boy are you? Instantly, the church grew deathly quiet. You could have heard that proverbial pin drop. Then slowly a smile started to come across the face of the young minister. Until he broke into a huge grin. And then he said, oh, I know whose boy you are. Why, the family resemblance? Son, mistakable. You are a child of God. And with that, he swatted him across the rear and said, that's quite an inheritance you got there, boy. Now go and see to it that you live up to it. Many, many years later, Little Ben Hooper said, that was the day he was elected governor of the state of Tennessee and later re-elected. To be candid, I lost my earthly father when I was five years old. I met my heavenly father when I was 45 years old. I don't remember my earthly father. I can never forget my heavenly father. When I became a child of the king, that's when everything changed. When I started looking at biblical truths about success. Now, I check them out psychologically and theologically because a lot of people want to have all the bases touched. And so I've been able to secure tremendous endorsements from all three of those disciplines. And I only mention that to say, you see, at age 45, I was stone broken and dead. Had been working hard all of my life. Have always been optimistic. I'm the kind of guy that put a dime in the parking meter while my wife goes shopping. I mean that you know <laughs> that's my basic nature. I'd go after Moby Dick in a rowboat and take the tartar sauce with me. Uh, but you know, but that uh, nothing really happened. Uh, nothing really happened until uh, I looked at just who I was. That's the reason I keep saying. It. You see, you got to be before you can do. You got to do before you can have. Maybe my favorite expression is the fact that failure is an event, not a person. Yesterday really did end last night. Today is a brand new day, and the day is yours.
1: So he starts off, Zig starts off with the story of the dunce, who lived as a dunce because he was told he was a dunce. Uh, And if you don't know that term, then uh, you're just younger than I am. Uh, But when the test came back, showed that the guy was in fact a genius, he began to live as a genius. I mean it's a very similar story to another different perspective, another story Zig likes to tell of the man who owned a bunch of land and they found one of the biggest oil wells of all time, Spindletop on his land and he became a multimillionaire. But Zig likes to point out that he was a multimillionaire the moment he bought the land. He just didn't know it. And it required bringing forth The oil bringing forth the wealth, the brilliance, uh, Seth Godin, a guy who we have interviewed here on Ziggler's true performance show is famous for stating that we are all in our own aspect artists. We all have our own form of art, uh, but it doesn't add up to much unless it really doesn't add up to anything unless we can deliver it, unless we can actually get it out, deliver it to the world, deliver it from our hands and our head. And our heart. So what about you and me? And and really, you know, looking at these incredible he takes these incredible analogies, incredible stories. But what if you're not? What if you and I are not hidden geniuses? What if we don't own land with millions of dollars of oil beneath it? What is possible for us? So let's talk about that right after I think a sponsor of this show, and it's a company who sponsors a lot of the Ziegler True Performance Shows, Brain Tree. So, this is for those of you who do business online. You probably remember the first dollar you made, and now you want to grow to make your millionth. And you need the right payments partner to grow with your business. One that is expert at helping people complete a transaction and not suffer shopping cart fallout, which happens more than you can imagine. Braintree lets you accept every way to pay from PayPal to Apple Pay and everything in between. All it takes is one integration. doesn't matter what currency your customers use because Braintree lets you accept over 130 of them. So to learn more about how your company can grow with BrainTree, visit braintreepaymentscom Ziggler. Okay, again, braintreepaymentscom Ziggler. So again, what if we're not actually geniuses or sitting on million dollar land? Okay, but what if we are just functioning at 80% of our potential? 45% or 15%. I mean, do we have more in us? Do we have untapped talent, ability, or skill? Well, of course we do. I think we would all believe that. But on one hand, okay, so you can believe you are the worst, the weakest, the most lacking person on the planet, or on the other hand, believe you are superhuman, immortal, and a God. Chances are nobody here listening right now uh, believes either of those. The question though is where in between there, what do you believe about yourself? That's Zig's, uh, that's a a primary foundation of Zig's overall message. I mean, because the pithy statement is completely true. If you're, if you're saying you are what you believe you are, obviously we can get ridiculous. I can't believe that I am uh, a spider, you know, I mean, we can be ridiculous with it, but in this context, I mean, we are living up to the potential that we believe of ourselves. You know, I was recently talking with a friend of mine, uh, of mine uh, my, my closest friend. He's a revolutionary doctor that you'll meet here in this show before long. And But we were talking, we were re- actually referencing Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, where he does a brilliant job. It's a great book. He does a, a, an incredible job of showcasing ultimately that those incredibly successful people are not brilliant, genius, superhuman. They had a good opportunity usually, and then they put more work in than the rest. And he actually equates it out in essence to 10,000 hours. So my, my friend said, so on a pro basketball team, I mean, they've all put in their 10,000 hours, right? But then there's Michael Jordan, what made him so extra amazing. Well, so. My friend and I, we have another friend who's a neurotherapy neurotherapy expert down the mountain in Colorado Springs, and many of his clients are the elite athletes at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs. And they're paying big bucks for his work, his neurotherapy, to get the mental edge. I mean, do do the gold medalists have more skill, ability, and lucky genetic makeup, or are they simply uh, coming from a better mental reality, more confidence and belief? and ability to visualize winning, or more just desire. I mean, I don't know if there's a scientific study to prove it, but as we say in medicine, there is evidence-based proof that it's not all skill, ability, genes, and luck that makes winners. It's those who believe more, who believe they can they can do it. Or or maybe even when they don't fully believe, they just want it more, and so they they just do. I mean, there's an awful lot we believe we couldn't really do but if a gun was you know, put to our heads or the head of a loved one or a million dollars was offered, we would probably rise to the task, belief or not. I mean, one of one of my sons, I mean, there's lots of analogies, but the one that came to mind here, one of my sons raced uh, track last year. It was his first time and he was lamenting before the race how he he figured he's going to do poorly. It was a hundred yard dash and he had not really done a race of that style. And I coached him on how to do the race and he took off, found himself at the front and then it surprised himself. So he just kept accelerating and he won. Uh, Near the end, it was so funny. He looked back at the next guy and got this silly smile on his face. Like, I can't believe that I'm actually going to win this race. Now, of course, he thinks of himself as fast. I mean, how interesting just to look at our belief and how it alters us. I mean, so back to us. I mean, what limiting labels? This is what Zig was getting to the point of. What limiting labels? Have we been given by ourselves or others that we believe? What excuses have we made because of things that have happened to us? What agreements have we made with ourselves? I really like that perspective that there are things that have happened in our lives and that we have, if we, go, if we really look at our beliefs, we have agreed with them. Something somebody said and we, we decided to agree with it. Like the story back there about the, the dunce. You know, these are limits that are self-imposed. The the dunce wasn't forced to believe he was a dunce. He wasn't forced to act and live in the capacity that uh equated out to being a dunce. He was told he was a dunce, and because of various reasons, he agreed and embraced the label. And and there may have been some proof. Gosh, you did that. That's that's something a dunce would do. That's worthy. That makes you a dunce. And so he said, okay. But he didn't have to. There are plenty of other people told negative things who, about themselves who, uh, who said no. They rejected it, rebelled against it, but rejected it, and they achieved great things. I think we all probably have had that happen, had somebody say something that, about us, and we rejected it and said, oh, well, no, or we rebelled against it, said, I'm going to prove it wrong either way. But there's so many things, though, that we did agree with. I mean, folks, hardly any of you listening have never heard this type of message and teaching you probably have, and you nod to it, but have you really taken it captive and set your face and will to dealing with it, to understanding it and doing something about it? What do you desire for yourself and your life? And I'm talking to me here too. What do I desire for myself in my life? And why, what, what beliefs are hampering me? What do I, why do I believe I can't do it? I can't achieve it. What about myself do I, have I agreed with? And, and and then taking that belief and saying, is that, is that really factual? I mean, if you take a belief that says, I can do this or I can't do this, is it factual or is it something you've agreed to for various reasons? Because there was some proof towards that or because somebody said that and you believed them, but it's not an absolute truth like gravity. I mean, seriously, feel free to stop this recording now and take some time, five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, whatever. And just give a little thought to this. And I think, you know, and just say it's a kind of a big question or, or a big uh, uh, request to say, okay, what do you believe about yourself? It may be hard to to encompass that, to, to, to grasp onto that. What do, you, or what do you believe you can't do is another way to look at it. Or just think about something that you wish for yourself that you said, I wish I could achieve this. I wish I had this. And then. Say, what, what do you believe about yourself? Again, we're not talking just about circumstances necessarily, but about yourself and your own ability. Cause there are some things that I, it's not that I don't believe that I'm incapable of doing, but I have some circumstantial things I have to deal with that are limiting me. That's another thing. And that's looking at priorities and, and whatnot, but I'm talking about the things about yourself, getting real with yourself and, and, and saying, okay, I haven't done this. I'm not doing this. And I have to be real uh, or honest with myself that I don't believe that I can. Why do I not believe that? Well, Zig next tells a story of the dwarf who was told she couldn't learn until someone said she could, and then she did it. All right, when I heard this, what came up is a little bit of anger. I mean, we as humans, you and me, why are we so gullible? I mean, when people we encounter, especially those that we think know us well, Tell us something about ourselves. We tend to believe them. So folks, so this is personal. I I love my wife immensely. She's one of the most amazing humans on the planet. I I really believe that she uh, infuriates me. And yet I am tragically in love with this girl. She's, she's brilliant. She's literally got a very high IQ. She, okay. I could sing her praises, but she knows me better than anyone. And here's the kicker though. She has times of emotion and anger, and she says things about me that aren't always the kindest, most productive things. It, but even in times of care and sanity, she has said things about me that she she thinks are true, that that's her perspective, that's her experience of me. But sometimes in my heart, I know she's wrong. And she. But think about this. She's not perfect. She's not God. She's not all-knowing. And there's no way she can speak from perfection, from perfect health, from a perfect perspective on anything. She's speaking, and it includes her, her, her smarts, her intellect, her, her wisdom. But it also, anything she says includes her pain and her damaged perspective uh, from her own life. And we all do. So even with this person, this lady that I love and cherish and respect above nearly anyone else on the planet, I have to recognize her imperfections and her brokenness. And I have to walk in my own truth and the same for her. I mean, I could tell you what I believe about her and some of it would be true. Some of it would absolutely not be. I might even have a viable reason to have a perspective on her and and give her a label, but that does not make it true. I mean, you and I do not have the right to take what someone else says anyone, I don't care if, 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 if it's uh, any, anyone short of Jesus Christ, uh, we don't have the right to take what they say as gospel truth. I mean, that would just be irresponsible. And again, the same thing about what we would say about ourselves, what we had chosen to believe. I mean, as the, as the quote says, spoken by many different people, it's attributed to, I tried to find it out and the internet has a lot of people, but that, that statement of don't, please don't believe everything you think. It's a great statement. Don't believe everything you think. Yet we do. And don't automatically believe the things even those closest and most beloved to you think about you. They may speak in love and feel like they have proof to something, but they're speaking again as as broken, errant people. People are only human. I mean, the best meteorologists in the world are only correct a percentage of the time, and and that's okay. We expect that. The best baseball batter in the world only hits a percentage of the time. That's okay. We expect that. The most brilliant and beloved person In your life, the wisest person that you can think of, they're only going to be right about you a percentage of the time or a certain amount. And they'll never speak about you from a place of absolute, pure, perfect love and understanding and insight. It's impossible. They're people. Only you and I can know ourselves best and only we can choose what to believe about ourselves and believe about what we are or are not capable of. Okay. Zig has a next statement. That's uh, a big deal. Uh, Before I hit that, I want to thank another supporter of this show, Wealthfront. They are a transparent and affordable financial advisor that can help you invest your hard-earned dollars and reach your financial goals. Wealthfront has combined world-class financial experts and Silicon Valley's Best technology talent to build a modern financial services company that allows you to access your account anytime online or through your phone. Wealthfront charges no trading commissions, has a minimum deposit of only $500 and is free for accounts, generally free for accounts under $10,000 uh, for accounts larger than $10,000, their fee is only 0.25% of the account size per year. But with our unique URL here on this show, you will get $15,000 managed for free. So go to wealthfront.com slash Again, that's wealthfront.com slash So Zig's next statement is, if you can have hope you can take action. Let's listen to that again. If you can have hope, then you can take action. So conversely, we must surmise from that, that without hope, we don't take much action. And here's the big, it's a big deal. Think about hope. Let's talk about that. Hope is not, let's say what it's not. It's not belief necessarily. It's not surety or confidence or even probable odds. It's desire, expectation, and ambition. That's what hope is. So you can have crazy hope. Zig's story of uh, the kid who went to church is a great example of that, where the pastor came up to him and said, you are a child of God. That's quite an inheritance you got there. Now go and see that you live up to it. So as I was writing this, I was in my living room and I read that to a couple of the family members that were in in there. And just before this show, as I was reviewing the content again, I actually took that quote and texted it to uh, the group of my uh, old, the older folks in my family. Again, you are a child of God. That's quite an inheritance you got there. Now go and see that you live up to it. And that is inspiring. And that's worth stopping for a second. Literally, give that a moment of silence. Folks, this isn't an entertainment show, this is about our lives, you and me, our lives. I mean, that boy was given a charge and a blessing that day. And I love the, the statement that Zig talks about later with the guy that the guy said later in life. Uh, and, and it wasn't that it wasn't, you know, whatever it was, 30 years later that he became governor. It was that day. It was that day. I mean, today, what charge and belief can you and I accept that will claim our inheritance and reality and achievement now, even if it takes a year or a decade or more to actually come to fruition? And as a father, I think about my kids. What can I, what can I charge them with? I want to charge them with that. I think that's a, that will be tonight's dinner table conversation. Uh, I mean, I was talking about, you know, in the same light. I was talking with one of my business partners yesterday as we were having coffee overlooking Pikes Peak. You know, about what we feel called to in the business, but I mean, it's our it's our personal calling. But it, through the business, what do we feel? called to when we were talking about ideas and opportunity and, and, and some directions we want to go. And afterwards, uh, he, he replied, he kind of laughed said, okay, what did we, what did we accomplish here? So today, what do we, you know, what do we, we didn't produce anything here. And I said, come on. Yes, we did. This is huge. This is highly valuable, valuable because we're clarifying the end destination that we want to get to the end result, which now helps shape every decision that we make today. And, uh, even in our own lives, it, 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 it The decision on what uh, companies we align with, what resources we need, what employees we need, what I do and do not take on in my personal life to allow time to invest in this opportunity. It was was the most valuable time to that degree. Now, we still got to deal with the day-to-day minutia. But again, it's that destination, clarifying that, that helps us make the right decisions. All right, we're going to end now. Citing one of Zig's, the last thing he said almost in the message, he cited uh, that he was 45, broke and in debt, which resonated with me because folks, as I sit here, I'm 45 years old, but he said, nothing happened until I really looked at who I was. I mean, of all the things that we go after in our lives, the endeavors we do, the duties we Uh, accomplish the the responsibilities that we deal with day in, day out, week in, week out. When do we really stop for a moment and take into account who we are, why we're doing the things that we're doing, what we believe about ourselves and that this destination we want to get to and how we're going to get there. That's, uh, that's the work that we don't often do. And those who do it end up being those like Zig that we're listening to and are influencing other people and achieving great success. So nothing happened until I really looked at who I was. And I'd add to his statement there to nothing happened until I really looked at who I was choosing to be and allowing myself to be, agreeing even to be. So what do we believe about ourselves? It's just about everything. Folks, thanks for being here with me in Ziegler's True Performance Show. Can't wait to be with you in the next one.